It was as if he kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three pounds of haggis. 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 Three pounds of haggis because it hardly got off the ground. Moyen, Scott Brown here from Let's Talk Sport. This evening, I am joined by none other than Anton Agassi and also the familiar face of Mr. Jonathan Flynn, or as some people call him, the OK Guys guy. Uh, It is show 159 here. It's Sunday the 7th of January. If you want to get involved in the show, you can give us a shout on 6215255000. We've got Anthony Perez joining us at quarter to eight for the latest in the world of Luxembourgish football. It is getting cold out there. It's tried to snow earlier. I see it's going to snow this week. Classic. You got to you got to start the new year uh, new year with a bang. I know yourself and Nathan uh, Anton obviously talked about uh, what you got up to at Christmas. John, what did you get up to at Christmas? Uh, back in Scotland for a few days with family, um, and then came back to Luxembourg in time for for New Year. Pretty Happy quiet days. time at New Year. Yeah, well behaved. No crazy parties. No hogmanay or anything like that. Or? No, no, not at all around New Year and. Um, yeah, a few a few drinks over Christmas, but that was nothing nothing too crazy. What about yourself, Anton? Um, yeah, it was a relaxed one at home. I had uh, me, my mum, my brother, brother's missus. Her mum also came over from India, so it was uh, yeah, it was it was nice. Full on, food, eh? a lot of food, on, a lot of food. It was Christmas dinner for the three or four days in a row, pretty much. So I think that's what my mum yeah. says. She's not heating any of it up. It's there. Get your sandwiches. Yeah, make make and, a sandwich. Uh, fill fill your boots, sort of thing. Must be an English thing. I don't know about Scottish, John. Yeah, um, yeah as I said, it's uh, number sh- show number one five nine. Um, to just to kick, kick, give you a quick rundown of what we'll be uh, getting into this morning, uh, this morning, this evening, seventh uh, of Jan on this day in sport. We'll obviously catch up with John and the world of rugby. A few interesting topics, which we will undoubtedly go off on a tangent on. We've got what's happening in the world of boxing, darts, very much pub sports, you know, uh, a bit of French Cup football, and uh, hopefully we'll round things off with uh, Mr. Barton and his antics on Twitter these days, uh, which is, it's good to read. It's good to read, you know. Um, anyway, as always, we start things off. This is show number 159. So, 159, what does it mean? Well, apparently, encourages you to let go of any doubts you have and stay true to yourself. Embrace any opportunities that come your way and know what you are capable of. Uh, let go of any fears or doubts that may be holding you back and trust the universe's timing. So a good one for get the new deep, year, isn't, isn't it? it? Isn't yeah. it? You know, that's what we're about. Country code. What country code is plus 159? I'll go Andorra. Oh. <laughs> Close. Canada. <laughs> um, uh, now, there are two players who finished their international football careers. Uh, Celso Borges of Costa Rica and Sam El Hadari of Egypt finished on 159 caps. Unfortunately, there were no women that finished on 159 international caps. However, Mia Hamm held a goal-scoring record for the women's international matches from May 1999. She then per- surpassed Italy's Elisabetta Vigneto by scoring her 108th goal in her 159th appearance. So that's the link there. Another one for you. It is impossible to check out. 
in a game of darts when you're on 159. Actually saw a very yeah. funny video of a guy called Peter Wright, named after, uh, nicknamed the snake bite, isn't he? Scotsman. Yeah. What a nickname. <laughs> the snake bite. You familiar with a bit of snake bite? Um, no comment. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. Um, uh, there's a video of him actually checking out in a game and hitting 159 and then the bloke being like, mate, you have to check out on a double. And he just had a bit of a brain fart and, uh. And obviously not, not finish the game. Uh, and here's an interesting one. Roy Paul made 159 appearances for Swansea between 1946 and 1950 before he moved to Manchester City for a reported fee of between 19 and a half to £25,000, which in today's money... And what sort of money are we talking? I would go... In the four, this is in the 40s, yeah? I'd go, um, well, 20 million... Uh, not quite that, John. 1.346 million, okay. you know, so got to love a bit of inflation. On this day in sport, Phil Jackson, we all know, the legendary coach who took the Chicago, uh, uh, was at the helm for the Chicago Bulls uh, in the last dance. He won his 900th game as a head coach, and he was the fastest coach to do that in 2007. The British Darts Organisation was formed in North London, 1973. Walter Camp published the first All-American team in 1899. The Yanks love the All-American stuff, don't they? Mm. Almost as much as you love your trivia. Yeah, you know, yeah. pub quiz. I'm just want fair, someone. smashed it today. This is, I, this is good stuff. I just wanted someone to ring me up and say, Brown, will you come and be in my. Yeah. But you see, if, uh, I wouldn't play Trivial Pursuit. I think that's a boring game. So it's very much got to be on my terms. Uh, in 1948, the uh, Kentucky Air National Guard pilot, Thomas Mantle, crashed his plane whilst in pursuit of a UFO. So there you go. So he just crashed his plane then? Yeah, that's all it was. It was just chasing a UFO, as you do. You know, casually see something in the air. Yeah. Maybe had a couple of drinks before he uh, got in the plane. And, uh, yeah, in 49 BC, the Senate of Rome says that Caesar will be declared public enemy unless he disbands his army, prompting those who uh, supported him to flee Rome. Birthdays, a couple of belters in here. Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage. Have you what seen, if you want a funny video, type in Nicolas Cage losing his sugar honey iced so tea good. on uh, YouTube and it's just him. His best best Will scenes do. from all of his movies. Yeah. Most call them best I'll, movies. I'll, it's I'll, so sh good. I'll show you afterwards, John. It's, it's Not the bees. <laughs> time well spent. Um, Lewis Hamilton, obviously, you know, Formula One. Uh, Formula One world champion in 2014, 2015, 17, 18, 19 and How 20. Seven or eight. So it should be eight. Should be eight. Max Verstappen. Let's not get into that. Uh, Eden Hazard, obviously for, uh, football player, formerly of Chelsea, now of Real Madrid. I've heard he's jacking it in. He went to Real Madrid, was in horrific shape, couldn't yeah. get back in shape, couldn't get in the team. I believe he's going to retire. He's only 31. And then the last one, Lamar Jackson, who's uh, turning a few heads, Heisman Trophy winner uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. John, good to have you back. Great to be back. Yeah, lovely to be here. We'll start off. Uh, obviously, there was quite a bit of rugby on. Um, I'm glad to say the Premiership seems to have burst into life a little bit these days. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get into a few of those results. But I guess to start things off, um, John, what's the? Um, oh, let's cut to the chase. What what would if you could change anything in rugby at the moment? What would it be? Um, I think it'd probably something around head contact. To be honest, I know it's a bit of a controversial topic, but um, I do think that red cards, yellow cards, are having too big an influence on. Uh, on professional rugby, we saw it in the World Cup, and, and we're still seeing it. Um, Do you think that's more of a not a rugby thing, but more of a uh, I want to say a generational thing? You know, where we're uh, I'm trying to think of the word I'm going to use here. It's very 
very reactive what we're doing in the sense that it's oh if we've got head contact then we're gonna have more yellow and red cards and it's like uh, the prime example i use is that one the one that sticks in my mind is the is the tom curry one right at the start of the world cup and i'm I'm a big believer that if it's bad you'll see a flashpoint in the game and because the flair, the the players are very knowledgeable these days, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So you'll see. Yeah, a, but you can bend that as well because there's, there's players now that understand that as soon as there's any sort of like, even if they know it's yeah. it's accidental, as soon yeah. as they see head contact, they're all going, "Oh, ref, ref, head contact," because they know and it, falling it, on the ground as well. Like the know, di- I mean, diving. We, we we don't want to see it in the game, but this, I mean, you you can kind of get away with it because you see your, your mate getting hit in the head, well, and it's a, a natural reaction, even if they they sort of know what they're doing to um to complain, but. Yeah, you could all, you could even get into tr- sort of, tr- or you could harm your team if you don't do it because yeah. you know we've seen in the world we saw it in the World Cup where um, Scotland had a reactive kind of uh, incident in the first half where a player went down and he stayed down he didn't make a fuss of it or anything and uh, play on they played on yeah. and then when they looked at it at half time it, it, it could well have been a red yeah. card under yeah. the under the rule. Was that against South Africa? Yeah, South Africa. Yeah, exactly. uh, Jesse Creel, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? I think the centres. Yeah. One of the things I think that was a big complaint at the World Cup is mm. that there was. There was just a lack of consistency. I think people felt that, you know, you look at one game, it's a red for Tom Curry, and then the next game, it's not a red for Jesse Creel. It's just two examples because there was there was loads in the World Cup. And the, in fact, there was more there was more cards at this World Cup's group stage than there's ever been in exactly. the entirety of a World Cup in total for the for the previous World Cups and stuff like that. So exactly. uh, but that's the thing, the consistency just wasn't really there though. To go to go off on a bit of a tangent, I would compare it to cricket. Cricket's almost ruined now by the way you can challenge the umpire challenge okay. the authority of the person who ultimately decides whether you're in and out you know which again there's all yeah, sorts but there's of instances yeah but there's still a lot of opportunities whereas i think they should scrap the challenges i think they should do it in tennis as well i think they should scrap var and i think they should scrap the tmo in uh in uh, in rugby unless it's to do with the ground in the ball for a try i think you could you could include that I think you would keep the referee, you'd, you'd basically make it on the referee and on the touch judges. If they miss it, they miss it. Uh, I'm a big, big believer that if you play enough of the sport, the calls will ultimately balance themselves out in the uh, there's, there's in the long much, run. For me, there's too much riding on, on games at this level now. Like, I mean, rugby's come a long way. The World Cup's watched by, you know, millions of people now. So if, if you're, you know referee is not allowed to consult the TMO for like you say a dangerous tackle or I don't know an offside off a kick chase or or whatever it is you know if you limit it to just scoring a try you know then there's going to be games where where people are going look we've lost a game there because the referee look he's human he's made a, a mistake but this is why we had TMO to avoid these mistakes yeah okay it brings other problems but I still think we're better off with TMO than without at the minute. What about yourself, John? It's different for us because we grew up without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A few years ahead of you, Anton, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think that, I, I think um, it's a, a lot of the stuff is around this degree of danger that kind of a, a, I'm, I'm a little bit wary of, you know. World rugby are very focused on anything with a high degree of danger has, yeah. to, be, has to be clamped down on and stamped out effectively. But I think the vast majority of um, head injuries come from tackles, but there's also things like clean-outs, just collisions in the around the field as well. Um, and some of these are deemed to be reckless by a player, which I think is very difficult to yeah. judge because, you know, th- decisions are made in fractions of a second. Players have got to react to something right in front of them that might only be, you know, half a metre away. And you've got to drop your body height down or, or, or get yourself out of the way or something yeah. like that. 
And I, I genuinely think it, it, it's kind of not possible. And I just, you know, it's it's probably a little bit um, controversial in saying this, but I think that a lot of players are aware of the, the degree of danger as well in, in rugby, especially nowadays, as you've just said, they're really quite knowledgeable, Scott. And um, and they've they've decided to play the game, you know, and there's a certain awareness of the risks yeah, yeah. Um, within reason, of course, you know, within reason, of course. And um, I just think the way it tends to be a sort of, Automatic red card. There's there's very little scenario, very few scenarios where they take mitigation into, yeah. into account now, and I think it's gone. It's just gone too far, and it changes the game far too much. And then on on the flip side of that, is you're talking about the you know for the example this bunker that they use, but is, isn't it slightly contradicting in the sense that yeah we we want to look after the players so you know obviously we're going to dish out more red cards you know there's repercussions for what happens but now they're talking about having red cards that only last 20 minutes and stuff like that yeah, so it's basically exactly. like it's basically wait wait there it's basically saying that it's okay for you to break the rules and potentially injure someone but don't worry about it because you're only going to get punished for 20 minutes i'd i'd argue that so for me this 20 card so the the idea would be a yellow is a yellow 10 minutes off normal red for me would be something where there's clear malice intent involved so you punch a player you, you you've got time to react to to dip your like clear time and you just sort of you know swung an arm in or whatever or you've eye gouged or you stamped on someone that's a clear red you get sent off you can't come back on no one can replace you now an orange card would be you get sent off for 20 minutes now that would be for these accidental head contact where you know look things happen in rugby you know you've played the game you've hit the guy like you say you've got fraction of a second to react for example around the ruck you need to come into a ruck with enough speed and power to clear someone off the ball but you also need to slow down so that you don't come in with a reckless amount of speed such a fine line and these things happen where you've you've come in with too much speed you can't react to the change in movement and your shoulders hit his head there's no malice necessarily. You just want to clear him off the ball. For me, that's you come off twenty minutes. You can't come back on, but you can be replaced. For me, that would be. It just uh, it just screams like you're trying to uh, be accommodating. Absolutely. And again, it's I not a, it's not not a dig at you, but here's a question for it. Obviously, you've picked orange because it's like the well, it's, mix it's, of the red yeah. and the yellow, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but like, what do you want? It? Do you want to get to the stage? We've got like six cards in your pocket. No, but I like, mean, green two minutes off because <laughs> I, I need to think about this. this is but that's yeah. the thing. I mean, look, there's there's something that's not that that's not working at the minute. And for me, this would be uh, interesting to to at least try out. Right, I'm not saying we chuck it into the next World Cup and we, you know, let's see how it goes. But you could try it in, in a league or so. Um, they've they've tried the reducing tackle heights in a few leagues. They're they're pretty much looking towards implementing it for the the next World Cup. I mean, there's a lot of talks behind it. Um, we did it in front, when I played at Mess. We did it with the the sort of lower lower tackle. I mean, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation. Well, you could have a whole hour show on. But I mean, yeah, it's there are there are trials and there can be trials, and it would be interesting. That was actually the law that I sort of initially thought of when you asked me what law I would change. You know, I initially thought of not because it doesn't exist at professional level, but I thought about let's try and resist bringing in this change to the tackle height modification because just because having coached it in, in France, as you know, Scott, it's I think it really limits the way teams can play. I think it limits your options defensively. I think it limits, it really favours attacking sides with, big, with bigger, bigger, heavier players, actually. It disadvantages. What was the law teams. there? What, what height was it? What were you... 
Well, it was in reality, it was kind of below the ball. It was it was supposedly the waist, but in reality, if you hit, if you contacted below the ball, you you were so okay. Like belly button height ish. Generally speaking, if you yeah. were like if below you, the 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 rib cage rib kind cage of area, kind of, yeah. yeah if, was, if you hit there and then slip down, generally there yeah. wasn't a problem. Either. No, no, not at all. As long as you came in below the ball, I, yeah. we found. But but you couldn't double you couldn't double hit. That was another big big change, and that really limited teams. Actually, I, I found because we we had a small small squad and. You know, we're playing against teams with big, kind of big Polynesian ball carriers, Samoans, Tongans, etc., who've got huge hips, big legs. They can stand wide, stand up in a tackle and just offload. And mm. there's nothing you can really do about that, you, you know, if you're only allowed to put one man into a tackle. It's also, you got the scenario, I immediately, as a player, start thinking of scenarios where you, you tackle as a, as a double and you tackle high for a reason. In the middle of the park, there's no reason to, to hit a big guy high unless there's a, someone already going low. But if you're two meters out from your try line you need to you need to get underneath, get, get, un, yeah. get underneath the ball hit them high because if you hit them at their ankles and they're one meter away from the try line they just fall over and score so there's yeah in, in practice yeah let's lower the height it's a lot safer brilliant but in in reality there's there's a lot of um a lot of things that that could go wrong as well because um am i right in thinking there's a was there a captain's challenge in the World Cup, which we didn't really see a lot of, or something like that? I can't. No, I think that really. was in that was in the um, what's it called um, Super Rugby. I was think it? they used that in Super Rugby. Yeah, they uh, uh, ultimately, uh, I think we've, we're getting. You know, we're trying to be too accommodating. We're trying to we're trying to make up these new rules as new things come 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 to thing. I, I, the one I do like, having played under it, is the um, you know yellow cards can be dished out for technical offences and for. Um, uh, you know, and for foul play or violence, if you like, yeah. you know, and obviously two yellows equal a red. If you got peanut, you know, if you were sent off for two technical yellow cards, then could you bring a player back on after the Simbins finished? Yes, maybe something like that. But again, I just think it's, I think it's, uh, personally, I think we're we're too accommodating. There's too much time spent on the TV, and it's like if there's any sort of any sort of controversy with anything going on. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna go to the bunker or go to the TV, and it's gonna waste time as well. And, but no. but as a player, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you milk it? Because ultimately, if you can get someone sent the, off, the, the only reason you you wouldn't milk it is because you're worried you're gonna get flack off fans and because you're a sound bloke. You know? Because yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like I mean, you saw what Nick White happened to him. Everyone hates him because he he took a dive when when Faf de Klerk hit him uh, off the back of a scrum. Like at the end of the day, you man, he, it worked for him because he, he, I think he won a penalty off it or, or a card or whatever. And you ask any South African what they think of Nick White, it's... Which is, this is the one that happened in the... It was the rugby championship. Maybe it's different, but I like at the end of the day, if you cop someone in the face, whether it's accidental right, or that's not, the thing, think... yeah. Look, he, he milked it. Clearly, there was not much contact there, but by the letter of the law, there was contact to his face. He went down. The ref saw it. The ref pinged it. So the one, the one I, the one that sticks to my mind is when France played South Africa just before the World Cup, and the two of them got sent off. Dupont got sent off for taking out the man in the air. <laughs> yeah, you could argue it's a red card, but there's another one, Peter Steph Dutoy. He got sent off, and he goes in to clear out the guy, and it looks like he just absolutely hammers him, you know, in the head. And you look at it, but then when you watch the replay, he gets clipped, and he's actually. As he's going in, he gets tripped over. Yeah. So he's lost, you know. The ability to keep himself on his feet. Exactly, basically. exactly. Um, and it, you could argue, oh, we should have been in control, but, you know, those Safras love flying into those breakdowns. But there you go. For me, that would there would have been some, as you said, John, mitigation uh, 
Exactly, and that, that that's an example of what well, Robbie would class as reckless, though. Yeah. And 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 they're, you know they're very hard on reckless. There's a there's a real um, what would you say a real responsibility on the player now to yeah. to 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 take responsibility yeah. and make sure he's he's sort of doing things in a safe manner. And I just think that my the reason I would change the law around that a little bit is because I just think it's not possible to take so much care yeah. while you're while as you say you're flying in at a high speed or you're or something's right in front of you when you just don't have time to change your mindset around what you're going to do you know yeah. i'd be interested to ask you you know obviously coaching yourself and, and having played the, the the idea behind all the, the bringing in these cards these new laws is to make the game safer and to change players habits mm-hmm. and, and the way they, they tackle mm-hmm. do you not think it would be a better strategy to instead of implementing sanctions in a game on a Saturday to put more uh, resources and effort into the, changing the way players are coached throughout the week. So try to change their habits on the training ground so that these things don't happen in the game. Or do you think it's the only way to do it is give out red cards? And if they don't, you know, they'll, they'll continue to get red cards. If they learn, they learn. No, I think, I think the only reason, the only way is to, to give out cards, actually, because coaches have to coach it they have to adapt their coaching and it becomes a habit. And the argument the authorities make is, well, if the players are coached, yeah. for example, to tackle low all the time, yeah. that'll just become the norm. So so I think that really the way they have to start from the top, if you like, is to make something illegal to remove it from the game. Yeah. And then co- coaches obviously begin to coach differently because they want their team to to, to succeed or, or to you know to, to play properly within, within the rules. It's interesting, Anton, what you said there about... Um, they want to make the game safer. And that's exactly right. That is the first stage. But one thing we found in France from speaking to referees and things is um, that once the tackle height had been lowered in France, yeah. the French Federation was very much focused on... Safety was the first priority, but they felt that it, it, that it um, improved the game as well mm. because teams could, if you like, play off, behind off the defence a bit, yeah. yeah, offload from tackles. And they felt it, it developed the attacking mm. play throughout the sort of pyramid of rugby. I'm not quite so sure, as I, as I sort of alluded to earlier, but they they felt they felt it did, and it enables teams to to you know to play behind the defence a bit more, and that was very much a reason for let's say keeping the law and even expanding on it and developing it, and do you know what I mean, moving it yeah. moving it further up into higher levels as well. Um, safety, well, I'm not saying safety was a secondary uh, reason, yeah. but it but it definitely became a big motivation for developing the game as well. Um, it's quite interesting. We're sort of almost headed for a. A big change in in rugby union, you know, when we when we if we we backtrack a little bit, the things big things that jump to mind is, you know, how you can compete for the ball at the breakdown. You know, Stefan Armitage when he was arguably the best player in the world, how he would just basically go down solo, um, not supporting his body weight, get his almost get his forearms on the floor and and ride the clear out and take the yep. ball with him. Yep. Another one that caused uproar, Anton, you probably don't remember this because you're still in nappies, was about the five meters back from the scrum. You know, do you remember? You can even remember when that that came in when I was at uni, and it's what, what was that a temporary thing? No, that was a, a oh, five meters back. A scrum, sorry, I thought you yeah. meant a rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, some, something like that. Where at the time everyone's like, "Oh, well, it just won't work. It's going to ruin the game." But it's like, well, these are the rules. Mm. We'll we'll uh, we'll get onto it. Mm. You know, so it'd be quite interesting. Look, guys, we could sit and argue about what we would all mm. what we would all change. So John said about obviously their head and mm-hmm. stuff. What about yourself, Anton? Just quickly, what would you change about rugby? we need to speed up scrums that's coming from our front row it just takes too long I don't know I mean I was watching the Northampton what was it how do you speed up scrums you can't well you can you can tell, get players to hurry up the, the, the engage bit 
you need to you need Mate, you want to watch from 30 years but no, well, the well, second rows aren't even in the front rows are already well, going that, down I mean, their that's own. the thing um but the okay the 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 actual engage you need to you know take your time with do properly but this like you watch the game now and it takes two minutes because you know you're waiting okay the front row they start binding up brilliant right second rows are still looking about having a chat with whoever let's get in boys if it's just give a free kick if the locks and the, and the flankers and the number eight are dilly-dallying wasting time not getting in getting a breather because that's essentially what's going on they're they're, but then, but they're then, knackered but right? then all they're, that they're forwards is, right then all that happens get, is the hooker does that he goes oh sorry i'm not ready can we can we reset? Yeah, well, there? that's up to the ref as well. If he thinks the hooker's taking the uh, Mickey, then um, he can ping him. Free kick, let's move on. If they're taking too long, free kick, let's move on. Okay, so speed up scrums. I'll just scrap VAR. I think it's a waste of time. I think <laughs> let, let I think let the referees referee the game, the touch judges. That's what they're there for. If there's uh, if there's violent play or dirty play, that's what the sighting commission is for of 24 or 36 hours after the game. But anyway, uh, Anton, who's your favourite team to watch at the moment these days? What? Well, uh, Club level rugby, yeah. Northampton. Northampton, hat, classic. John, what about yourself? Always like watching Glasgow Warriors. Um, I think they're always pretty competitive in the league and make a good fist of, uh, even if they've got players away on international duty. Um, but this season, I've particularly been impressed by Benetton, actually. Really impressed with them. Going well. Uh, I think they've hardly lost. What's the uh, what's the makeup of their team? Is it a lot of Italians playing in there? Yep, or? absolutely. A lot of Italians or Italian qualified guys. Um, we've got an Argentinian on the wing, uh, or full, fullback slash wing guy Mendy, who looks really handy. Mm. Played sevens through the Olympics and for Argentina, really handy. Um, but yeah, a lot of real good Italian core. Um, got number eight, uh, who, sort of Zimbabwean guy who's Italian. Played plays for Italy though, and yeah, yeah, real handy ball carrier. And is it, yeah. is it a young team? Because I know the, the Italians on the twenties mm-hmm. year gone by really strong. Last couple of years have a good good team. Yeah, well, they're under eighteens are, are dominating as well. So um, not so young. I think I think Zebra look a lot younger actually. Oh, Zebra look to have sort of filled that space with right. you know catering for a lot of the, the these guys yeah. that you're talking about, the younger guys. Just looking at the makeup of their team. Anyway, I've not studied the stats, but they definitely look like a younger Italian side. Where does the idea come for that team name? I don't know. Because I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I'm pretty sure there aren't zebras down in Italy, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it was maybe, I don't know, maybe they played in black and white originally or something, I don't know. But now they don't, they play in blue and yellow as well. I've never seen a blue and yellow zebra. zebra. Oh, you'd never been to Italy, mate, you know, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, another interesting one, Anton, you obviously were based over there in Wales, but um, seems to be a fairly stricken affair with the clubs and stuff that obviously is funneled down the RFU, haven't been able to generate any cheddar well, sure over, you. Over, sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> over the last couple of years. And, you know, you see uh, what all well, the stories you're hearing coming out of the Dragons and stuff like that. And then also even at the Ospreys, you know, they're, well, at Cardiff Blues as well, not being able to pay, uh, pay wage, getting paid late on time. And it's just... Yeah, I just wonder, I, I, I can't remember who I had this discussion with, but you've got these rugby clubs being um, run by old uh, rugby players, which, you know, I think back in the day I can agree with, but ultimately, as soon as money comes in, it becomes a business. You have to run it like a business, and the goal of any business is to Make is to money. generate money. And like, But you, uh, there was another article I read about like the debt that some of the the rugby clubs in like uh, the UK are in. And I think Exeter's probably the best one I'm aware of. I think they're only uh, minus a casual 12 million and stuff like that. And it's like, I mean, how I get that people want to put their money into the club, but you're just pissing money up the wall, you know? John, what's, what's your... 
what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think you're you're right. Benefactors have, have sort of helped the game along through the first let's say fifteen or so years of professionalism, but now, you know, salaries became very high, and and you know, no one's got a spare ten million to just chuck away on, yeah. on a sort of vanity project anymore, or very few people do. And I think the situation in Wales is is pretty interesting and very relevant, as you, as you say, guys, because. Wales, for me, they they really miss a trick with with you know they've got this culture of rugby, but unfortunately everything seems to be focused on a kind of team Wales and the national team doing well, um, really to the detriment of the of the of the club yeah. teams. You know, players are away on camps for forever, basically, and or the the, the clubs are the fielding weak, weakened Sorry. sides, <laughs> fielding weakened sides. Yeah, well, well, actually, there is a sort of synergy there in that players don't play enough. You know, the the, the key players don't play for the clubs, yeah. and um, as a result, they you know the clubs dramatically underperform. I mean, the Ospreys are doing okay just now yeah. this season, but but the others so I, they, normally they, there's there's sort of four Welsh teams somewhere around the bottom, and I think that the the other three are literally down the basement of the URC. I think I think Zibri, the know? reason why Ospreys are doing fairly decently at the minute is because. Um, even without main, their main Welsh stars, they've had a crop of some some good young guys that have come through. I mean, Jack Morgan is, I mean, he's now a Welsh star, but he's been doing what he's been doing for a few seasons now with Ospreys. They got this Morgan Morse kid who's a number eight. I don't know if you've seen the try he scored. It was, I think, against Scarlets, and it was like a bog, complete rain everywhere, and he's picked it up from about 40 metres out and just absolutely it's a, if you're a number eight you'd love that try you just gone in and out and, and scored and they've got a few others that are young guys that have come through that aren't haven't really played for Wales yet so I'd say that's probably why they're doing so even when the, the you know George Norths and, and stuff like Tipperick's are away mm, mm, they've still got mm. a couple guys that can step up whereas I don't know about the other clubs what the situation is is but there what, tell, tell me this John why do you never get why will a director of rugby never come out um, and say listen here's the crack we don't have a budget these boys aren't on huge money. It take us a couple of years, and then hopefully we'll be sort of at the the business end of the league. You know, there was a bit where uh, I know there was there was quite a powerful interview with who is DOR up at Newcastle after they just taken a who they taken a pasting against off Gloucester. Oh yeah, it was, it was it Dean Ryan? Mm, it's not Dean Ryan. I'm trying to yeah, he, Alex, he was really good. Is it Alex, uh, I'll say Alex Codling. Or something. Yeah, I want yeah. to say that as well. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, dark haired guy. Yeah, and he yeah. basically came out and he was like, "Yes, the reality of it is we're." You know, we we just don't have the 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 budget to do it. But they they've it's not like they've come out and said, you know, no one ever comes out. It happens in football a lot. You know, no one you, you're never given. You're not given six months, twelve months to sort out the problems. It's like yeah. you're in. You've got to sort the problem straight away. Otherwise, you're you're gone. I mean, Wayne Rooney. It's happened to him at football. He was at Birmingham, wasn't he? Yeah. He's only had twelve. Was he had twelve, fifteen games or something? Well, I think he's gone. Another stat would be, I think, in the Scottish league of twelve clubs, there's there's something like twenty five percent have gone already. You know, in the in the first chunk of the year, mm. just jumping back to the Ospreys for a second, I think one of the reasons, though, as well, that they've probably done okay, Anton, is that they've played a, they've played against a lot of the other Welsh teams around well. around Christmas. You know, and once they have to play the the, the Leinsters, three and wins, isn't it? Yeah, Leinsters yeah. of the world, yeah, exactly. Then I think it could be a different shake down to South year. Africa as well. Exactly, really, yeah, all that fun. kind of stuff. You know, so I think because of the Christmas Derby fixtures, yeah. they've 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 maybe been, in, benefited yeah. a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, you know. Um, but they're clearly doing better than they were. But it's just this, this sort of thrust around Wales seem to be consistently year on year. The club team is really underperforming, and then, and then the national team will 
you know, pull out the odd Six Nations <laughs> victory or something like that, and you're thinking, yeah, okay, guys, great, but usually against you know, England, yeah, but <laughs> pure passion behind exactly, his performances. exactly. It's sort of I ridiculous. Mean, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, fifteen blokes on a pitch. You know, yeah. So, um, but yeah. Well, there you go. We, uh, but just another one. We will just bounce over to uh, what the, the state of the game in in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got the two professional clubs. Is a third mm. third professional club. It's got to be a must, has it? Well, to to develop the game, yes, I would I would say so. If we're ever going to get, you know, Scotland's going to become really sort of competitive on a global global stage, then yeah, I think they they do have to have a third professional team. So far, obviously, the the blockage has been money. Um, you know, mm. it's simple economics. However, I, I do think there's an opportunity for it with um, since GB since GB sevens took over from Scotland and England and Wales. Is that a permanent thing? That only happens in Olympic year. Is that no, it's not. Permanent it's permanent now. now. Is it? It's permanent yeah. now, Scott. Yeah, and so Scotland Scotland's always funded a seven squad full time on the circuit, which I always felt was a little bit of a waste because they tended not to contribute to the Olympic program very much, yeah. and obviously the Olympics is kind of where Sevens is, the direction Sevens is moving in. So so I think that maybe the, with some savings that could be made from, from that yeah. Sevens programme, um, there might be some opportunities. But, you know, they're, they're being asked to fund the women's game more yeah. nowadays as well. Um, so They've just started with some contracts for the, the women's player. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think yeah, last Six yeah. Nations, it was a big thing with the Welsh and the, the uh, Scottish and the Irish women's players getting some full-time professional contracts for the first time ever, basically. Yeah. No, I remember reading so about they're, they're trying to keep up with the, the English and the, and the French because, well, they're just leagues ahead when it comes to this sort of it's, stuff. It's a bit sad, though, that the Sevens game in Scotland has gone that way because like the club seven scene is mental in scotland you know yeah and we invented sevens didn't we exactly you could be playing sevens every weekend of the summer down you got the melrose sevens which is obviously massive a few of the big tournaments around there but to Mm. not have that ultimately to funnel up to something so i kind of agree with you but it's just that unfortunately with you know if the olympics is going to be gb you kind of think well what's the point if we could develop the, the, the you know the full 15 aside game with with maybe another, you know, Ireland ran Ireland ran for a f- good few years with Connacht sort of being being funded dramatically less than the other three provinces and kind of almost like a development team and um you you know maybe Scotland could have created something along those lines with some younger players and obviously you're not going to be able to field a fully professional team using the sevens budget but well, just to jump in mm-hmm. there, uh, the, the the next thing I was going to bounce on was this 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 Super Six series yep. and stuff like that yep. I was chatting to my brother and he played for Harriets in mm-hmm. it uh, the last couple of years and he was telling me one of the teams they've got in it is essentially like a Scottish Scotland under 20 Futures teams and they get pumped every yeah. week they get 70-80 yeah. points stuck on them every week and this isn't even professional rugby do you know yeah. what I mean it's just yeah, so I mean, obviously you wouldn't you wouldn't fool the full team of Scotland under twenty players, but just it could be a pathway in with, you know, a, a sort of selection of foreigners, Scottish qualified guys. I think Scottish rugby so far seem to be quite happy if players move move abroad. You know, Blair Kinghorn's just moved moved to Toulouse and, and win something. Yeah, well, no, but also to to free up places back in the in in the squads at home. What, um, what's his name? Um, who's the ginger prop for South Africa? Stephen Kitzhoff. Kitzhoff, yeah. he said the same thing. He said, I'm going off to, where is he? Ulster. So that, well, also I've, I've done my bit now for South African rugby. I can go away, make some money. But also it means that now a prop can come through and play in his position, opens up more development. But then on the flip side, while you're bringing in, you know, obviously props are a dime a dozen and you're now taking up one of those props at the... Uh, 
uh, you know, one of the Irish provinces. You know, exactly. It's so. yeah. not his problem, is it? Yeah, no, you're right. It's not, <laughs> it's not fair play to him. Listen, we could sit and rant about rugby forever. I've got a couple of extra uh, interesting stories from around the world in sport. Have you seen uh, this guy in the darts? Yes. Yes. Big fan of darts, John? I am, and I'm also a, a big Warrington Rugby League fan, so he's a, he's a big Warrington Rugby League fan as well, actually. Really? It's just quite I mean, I watched yeah. him a couple of times, and there was one when he, yeah. he, he, he sort of, there was a couple of times he had to check out on uh, on 170, which is obviously mm. two, yeah. two double sixes and the 50, and there's a brilliant one. Two trebles. Two trebles, one eight. Sorry, my bad. Uh, math wasn't my, my strong <laughs> point. But yeah, he sort of bangs the two trebles, and then, uh, you know, just has it, pauses, and the crowd can quietly turns around and gives it that, and then bang, <laughs> it just hits it. you got a got absolutely love it but yeah it's quite interesting I read this interest uh, this one it's about the HMRC so he oh, yeah. picked up 200k Luke Littler right? second place as, yeah. as second place what is he actually going to get of that I have a guess 50, 50% just a little bit over 50% yeah. he will have yeah. to pay 76,203 pounds uh, in tax and then he's got to pay another seven thousand three hundred and thirty in national yeah. uh, insurance. That's about right. You're a sixteen. Year old, you got, must be gutted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you've got a, uh, you've got a decent, uh, you know, got a decent person doing your taxes, they'll cut that down, no problem. But yeah, I mean, it's people are coming out, but they, you just want to leave the guy to play. You know, it's, it's, mm. it's the same old. Somebody comes on the scene as a youngster and absolutely crushes it. Phenomenal. Just. Just Phenomenal. leave him to it, sort of thing. Phenomenal. I mean, I, I, I don't actually follow the darts as nearly as actively as I, I used to back in the day, but I did watch the final and uh, yeah. cracking game of darts. Game, it right? really was an excellent. An it was excellent just it was it was darts. back and forth the whole Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. You, you really you think, oh, he's 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 mm. bossing it now, mm. and then next minute the other guy's bossing it. And it's just yeah, it was it was mm. really good to watch. Something you you've been to the darts before, John? I've not. No, I've not actually. We should what about, go. What about yourself? <laughs> no, I never. My, my mate had a German friend of mine, and he's as German as could be. He wore a full buying kit to school for most of the time. He's there. Never seen darts at all, and then suddenly I come back after summer. He's talked nothing about darts he's ordered one of the big dart shirts he's going to a darts it was so funny just this little scrawny german kid with uh massive darts you know you know the shirts yes, that they wear yeah, yeah. yes well they're going all big blokes <laughs> normally aren't they yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. we were saying yeah. um me and nathan were saying last time because he was talking about i think 25 percent of the tickets they sold were were to germans Right. Um, I, yeah. We weren't aware there was that darts was that big in Germany. I was like, it's not the darts they're going for. It's Steins. Germans love a drink. Yeah, and darts is a great place to go for a drink. So, so you can't break the regulations in darts as easily <laughs> stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, definitely one I'd I'd be keen to to sort of uh, yeah to jump on. I used to play dart. actually. I used to play used to play a bit of darts. That's not really fair because you're quite tall. So you can always reach, over, reach the board. Reach the board. <laughs> we yeah. any, we any good? Um, I was okay. I was okay, but I I remember I actually gave up because um. Because of the smoking rule in Luxembourg, I, I, I you know, at, th- at this point, Luxembourg still refused to ban smoking in bars, yeah. and uh, used to go out for a game of darts for like an hour and a half and come by absolutely stinking of smoke. Yeah. And I just, Not I being just able can't to see the board. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was it was horrendous. And it was just I, I, so frustrating. I gave up. Yeah. Um, an interesting one about the uh, the French Cup in uh, in France, the Golden Lion from Martinique. They endured an eight thousand mile round trip only to lose twelve nil to Lille in the French Club. <laughs> the team from the tiny Caribbean island were able to play in the competition because their because sides from a variety of France's overseas territories are allowed to compete in it. Uh, consequently, they headed to Lille, hoping to cause an upset against the League One giants in the round of sixty four tie. But the hosts were comfortable winners with two players getting hat tricks. Lille had 37 shots on goal. 
So they've done poorly. The only to score 12, though. Just, just the one. <laughs> just the one. Long day at the office. Um, I'm, to be honest, I'm a bit sick and tired of chatting about boxing the way it's going at the moment. It seems a bit of a Mickey Mouse with, mm. with all these uh, exhibition bouts, shall we say, and people, you know, cashing in. And uh, That's just where the money's at, I think, I guess. Yeah, from, and you you got to, you, you, I've said it before, like props to, to Jake Paul if you can make, you can, you know, you got to make your cheddar and stuff like that. And I don't know, I don't know enough about boxing to know how good he actually is, but you know, um, but the big one that's come out now is that Joshua is now going to face uh, your man Nganu out in Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah, apparently this is going to be in the, on the 17th of, uh, oh no, tell a lie, that's going to be the... Um, the USEC Fury fight in the, on the 17th of uh, February. But yeah, he's obviously agreed to do it. He apparently gave a good account of himself against Tyson Fury, did he? John, did you... Uh, yes, yes, it? he did. However, I, I completely concur with what you're saying. It's 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 absolutely harmful for the sport. You know, if uh, boxing faces an awful lot of opposition from all sorts of sections, not least UFC being in the other corner. And, um, you know, UFC, like it or loathe it, has built a very credible product. Um you know, where everyone fights everyone and people can lose and still continue on their yeah. pathway and become world champion, etc., etc. Boxing, you know, I think it's appallingly run, to be quite honest, and things like this really do make more and more of a mockery of the sport, you know. Um, the Fury in Ganu escapade was quite quite ridiculous in that Fury was clearly underprepared, clearly wasn't ready for a proper boxing match yeah. and, you know, nearly embarrassed himself. It was... Yeah. People argue that doing all doing ridiculous. all these fights um, brings in more people to watching box. People who wouldn't normally watch boxing, so it's bringing more money into. Bo- I mean, it is probably not wrong. It is bringing yep, more people absolutely. to watching boxing. Yep. You know, I'm, more eyeballs, I'm, yeah. I'm not a boxing fan, but you know, so much gets talked about these fights, these fighters, these exhibition fights. But it's it's the question is is it still boxing? At what point are we still talking about? getting you know people mm. to watch boxing like is it well there's there's, a, there's such a gray area as well because there's now you're now getting boxers who would consider themselves boxers fun, fun first and foremost but are kind of carving out a career on youtube as well and, and right. are getting a far bigger following through the you know someone like tommy fury sort of getting a far bigger following well, he, through he, social media through love island the only reason people know him is because he was on love island love island yeah i is mean he, is he any good as a boxer no well, he's he, he, incredibly he, mediocre but he, very he sort of mediocre very kind of very kind yeah. of um so if you what you're telling me is yes not even can, european level i would say you yeah. know you know, so kind of british level he but, fought ksi yes. another youtuber and it was pretty close I mean, people are. I know. I saw the video afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's one of those ones where you've got these. I don't want to. Don't want to be controversial here, but you almost link it to that sort of transgender side of stuff. Where you've got these individuals who have committed their whole lives to trying to make it as a boxer. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You you know, you'll see where I'm going with this now. (laughs) Um, A bit puzzled. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got these people, and I know a couple of guys. There's two, uh, uh, the two fail brothers, Carl and Ben, who fight out in Northampton. My my best mate would have sparred with these guys, and they're like, you know, they are busting their balls every day. They're not making a lot of money, you know, in the hope that you get to kick on to, yeah. you know, fight for. Yeah. Uh, certainly, Absolutely. even even fighting at GB level is not great, you know. But if you can get Absolutely up and start so. fighting international mm. or uh, a uh, you know even a world title fight, then you can you can essentially cash in. Whereas, if, if you imagine, if you want to call it in levels, these guys are essentially skipping all those levels yes. and 
you know, these guys, yeah, they'll talk it up in the press conference, but will you go and stand in the ring and get a hiding for three minutes if you know you're going to pick up five million dollars? Uh, I think I think some of these guys would. The, the, the link I'm making to the transgender stuff is where you've got women, you know, because let's say it as it is, it's not gone the other way. It's, it's women, it's, you know, males who have, uh, tran- you know, transitioned into female and stuff who haven't, you know, essentially done the, the leg work, the bit at yeah. the bottom and are skipping into these levels. And now they're obviously now competing yeah. at the at the top levels serious. and yeah. and taking spots of people who have been training their whole yeah. life yeah. yeah i mean boxing's uh, one of the problems with boxing is that there is huge inequality people p- people's perception is all oh, these boxes are, are loaded because tyson fury's you know driving around in a customized bentley or whatever but yeah. in actual fact at the sort of lower levels exactly like you say even at say uk level it, it works on ticket selling it works on trying to get yeah. fan base in um you know there's not tv deals for for most boxing shows, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. so so um, it's very, very hard to make a full time living at it, and and it's a brutal sport, as you you just said. So so there's a huge inequality, and as you, exactly like you say, these I think that's what a lot of people get frustrated at is these guys are, are literally jumping in at a far more lucrative level uh, right away, and sometimes even superseding. You, you know, you would see, let's say, proper or credible boxers on a kind of support act making up. Yeah, well, well like you've got you, a prime example of that is you've got Ngannou who mm-hmm. fought Fury mm-hmm. and he's now ranked as one of the top 10 heavyweights. By the, yeah. by one of the boards, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. because he has fought against someone mm-hmm. but as you as you said, Fury obviously. Fight, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it because it's in boxing it's the opposite of what we were discussing in rugby and rugby it's yeah. run by rugby old rugby people whereas in boxing they've said what we argued rugby should do yeah. which is be more business they minded business, yeah. and in boxing from yeah. what i can tell it's business 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 yeah. money 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 talks yeah if we if logan paul or jake paul or ksi is going to bring us in yeah millions of dollars yeah we don't care yeah. that they're not boxers. We don't care that there's other boxers, yeah. you know, that should be ranked up way above them, uh, ranked hundred below them. Yeah, we, money. I mean, we're it the is ar- fundamentally we're the ar- business, Antonio. Yeah. Exactly right. Ahead, even ahead of be- being a sport, and that's where it becomes a problem because yeah. it struggles to get credibility as a sport because it's so focused on the business side yeah. of it. We um, we, it's funny, yeah. You talk about the the credibility of uh, of boxing and stuff, yeah. but when you talk about the money side of stuff, you know Eddie Hearn, who obviously is match matchroom, match, yeah, matchroom, matchroom boxing. You know, matchroom. I've no doubt that they've got hundred boxers on their books. You know, and you think that's a lot of boxers, and is that a lot of money? You know, to pay them twenty five, twenty grand a year for these guys to train full time, mm. because ultimately you want one of them to kick on and be a Tyson Fury or be or an Antoine Joshua. Yeah. And then that's where they as the uh, the promoters cash in, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joshua's been, Joshua's been basically milked like a cash cow, really. I mean, he's been protected and, you know, given title shots at very, very opportune moments where, you know, Eddie Hearn wouldn't risk him in anything that he was likely to lose. And, and so when he finally did lose, it was such a shock, I think. Eddie Hearn probably got a bigger shock than Joshua himself. Well, it's 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 interesting though because you've had you know Deontay Wilder. Now, whatever happened there, but he didn't obviously take it seriously Correct. or whatever reason, and then he's yep. got sat on his ass, and now he's going to miss out on fighting Joshua. But it's yeah. you know between us is is uh, Deontay Wilder someone Anthony Joshua wants to fight because you don't want to exactly, be on the yeah. end of yeah one of those punches yeah yeah no exactly and, that, and that's probably correct as well. I mean the Wilder situation was a bit odd because he he. he even if he had prepared properly, I don't know if he did or not, but he'd he'd hardly fought in the last, like, effectively two and a half years because he'd mm-hmm. fought once, but it lasted a round or something, yeah. you know. So it was kind of, 
he, he was so out of practice and it, it really showed it just looked like someone who hadn't it's hadn't quite, practiced a sport for a quite, while it's quite interesting the story behind Wilder because he actually only got into it to pay for the treatment of his daughter who I yeah, think yeah. got is it spina bifida I think it could be something like that yeah. um, and so yeah and then obviously he's cashed in and mm. you know was certainly was the top of it in America and then mm. um, you know was not come on well not come unstuck but you know he's, he's had his 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 time in the sun should we say um, but who is the guy there's that guy who goes around trash talking all the pro boxers I've got to remember his name American Miller, idiot Miller. no 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 he's not a boxer he's not a boxer um, Zelenoff Charlie okay. Zelenoff right, okay. and then basically this guy just goes to town on these guys on social media and there's a brilliant video and Wilder's like yeah uh, come on down the gym buddy and we'll uh, and like when I say he squashes him he, yeah. uh, like there's yeah, there's no referee stopping it sort of thing and he's this guy's obviously mentally not um, not all there not uh, you know his cakes half eaten sort of thing but um yeah it's uh i mean it's quite interesting but yeah w w what i don't understand is these clowns when they have uh some of the boxers and stuff who, who talk it up it's like why do people watch this sort of thing because these guys sound like gumps and then they get in the ring and they get a hiding but well i i actually you know I, i'm quite a boxing fan i have a bit of a group chat with a few friends on it and one guy he he bought the I think it was Logan Paul, KSI, you know, so two YouTubers going at it. And, and he bought the pay-per-view, and he's, he's a big boxing fan, and, you know, he was kind of derided among, on the group chat. Probably didn't guys. see much boxing. Well, exactly. He was, he was completely slagged off on the group chat. Like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. You know, this is but, harmful to boxing. But his argument you'd was... You'd be surprised at how many people have watched it and how much money it brought in. Yeah, exactly. His argument was that... He said his lad, as he put it, my lad idolises these YouTubers. They're his yeah. heroes in life now, and uh, I feel I should get it get it in for him. So <laughs> there you go. They're, you know? they're, they're both millionaires. They have that uh, prime energy, well, prime drink. hydration yeah. drink together, and they have a few other ventures together. That was the whole the whole selling point of their prime drink is that they fought, they were enemies, they hate each other, and now they're mates, and now they've got a hydration drink together. And yeah, it's the amount of money they're making off that is insane. It's it's outrageous. In fairness to them, people call them idiots, this, that, and their other. But either them or whoever's in running their business is doing very. Someone, well. Someone's making some. They're money. doing very well for themselves. Um, on a, on the flip side, I think Mr. Perez has joined us. But if he doesn't, you know, we will, More we will rugby. continue. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> rugby, rugby, rugby. Uh, have you seen? I don't know if you've been following the stuff in the NBA at the moment. Obviously, um, we're getting to the business end of the season. But the guy Draymond Green was. Uh, suspended in indefinitely uh, he plays for the golden gate warriors um and he basically lamped the phoenix sun player yusuf nurchich in the face um when they lost 119 to 16 um and this is the third time he's been ejected this year um but when you watch it this guy is rogue mate and he's always in trouble and it's like yeah he's, he's banned indefinitely yeah and now he's served 12 games and they're like yeah you can come back in now it's like, I don't, I don't understand why they, why are these top sporting organisations so afraid to throw the book at people and set an example? I mean, ejected three times, that's like three red cards, though, in, in, in football or, or rugby or something, isn't it? You know, it's not the... I but basketball's a non-contact sport. <laughs> well, that's you know the thing, I mean? yeah. You, you punch <laughs> yeah. people three times in rugby and you're, you're going to be in big trouble, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, how, how, what was Dylan? I didn't realise he was ejected for punching people. Sorry, I thought. Oh, sorry, it was. It, they've rephrased it. Striking. Striking. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I mean, how how many weeks did Dylan Hartley get for swearing at the ref? 
Yeah. I mean, he's got a track record. He missed well. the Lions tour because of it. Yeah, we, we don't get into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if you punch someone on three occasions or people on three occasions, look, maybe not a lifetime ban, but in rugby, even in rugby, you're looking at months and months and months on the side. So, and what it's interesting though, because games of the NBA is about two weeks as well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> play most days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, two games a day, isn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Um, I mean, the only one that you've sort of got any fighting left is the the NHL isn't it you know the but the the old enforcers from back in the day have, I thought they've already they, they've stopped most no they'll never they get rid of it it's part of, part of the things with the refs sit there and be like right on you go but as soon as you hit the ice it's uh, it's over uh, look we, we have talked about a fair bit of um, a fair bit of rugby on here John I think the one I uh, wanted to get your opinion on is Mr Joey Barton he's obviously uh Turning over a few table, tables on social media with his comments, um, you know what do you? I mean, he's he's never far away from the limelight. Some of the stuff you see so, him. So uh, what, what is it he said just for, for, for the audience? He well, he's basically he mocking the female commentators for their lack of, I guess, lack of knowledge when it comes or knowledge that he doesn't find acceptable uh, when commentating in, in on football, men's games. So he's an ex-football yeah. player, yeah, and um, mm. yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one. What he's basically said that he. He doesn't want them commentating on the game because they're what well, they're not qualified enough because they haven't played or they've only well, it was what they played women's football and the women's football is a completely different game to the, the men's game yeah. and therefore he would prefer if they didn't commentate on men's football because they've never played it before. I mean, I don't think that's really fair because ultimately you're not you don't care what someone's knowledge is of the sport they're commentating on what you want is someone who's engaging you know someone who says what's going on and maybe can you know makes well, you ultimately want to but you to be open mind enough to go on and listen to them and think like you think of uh you know some of the commentators who have commentated on rugby i think it's got worse more recently but some of the more old school ties you know you talk about your bill mclaren's john inverdale and stuff like that they obviously came from a from a rugby background but certainly not a professional rugby background so yeah. it's completely different isn't it i, I think um I think that he, more than that, though, Scott, he, he, what he's he's aiming at a lot of the time is this sort of summariser type. Comp, you know, they were brought in as experts, pundits, effectively. Yeah. And so he, he's saying, we, I, I don't think any of us mind what if the, the principal commentators played the game or not, but it's people who tr- sort of brought in to give an expert opinion. Yeah. As a kind of a, a um, you know a second commentator or a third commentator, and there, you know, I, I kind of don't disagree with them entirely that you do want to have some real expertise yeah. and. I've picked up on it more and more. It seems to be a interesting though. It seems to be a real UK thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems to be particularly in the United Kingdom that that the all sports are suddenly being populated by both male and female pundits, let's say, or experts. You know, I've not picked up on it in, in other countries but, though. I mean, for me, right, I'm fully on the board that when I'm watching a sport that I like, I'm especially when it comes to like you say the sort of you're you're looking at analysis of a game or, or in depth, you know. Uh, stuff about the game you want someone who knows the game who's very uh, you know tuned in with with how the game works but it doesn't really matter if you know female male ex-player never played before as long as they know the game for me personally anyway as long as they know the game and they know what they're talking about right and it's like you say you want someone with a bit of charisma whatever but it's like you said it's not the main person who's running the show and 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 moving things along and and it's someone that you're going to to analyze part of the game or or comment on part of the game so for me they, as long as they, they they know their stuff then good you know they go for it there was there was one of the one of the commentators he went for i think made him a made a mistake about well, i can't remember whether it was to do with a player and i think that 
you know that happens all the time but yeah. i think because of the, the because of his opinion of uh, you know obviously the women commentators and stuff that's amplified so it makes it even worse where if it was one of the male commentators tripping up on something like that you know would he he's not going to go in uh, go in as hard i mean you look at the the champions league guys you've obviously got Thierry Henri, Michael Richards and Jamie Carragher, they're obviously, these guys, you know, they've hundreds of, hundreds of games in the Champions League mm. and, and in the, and in the Premiership and stuff like that. But that's very mm. different because they've, they've obviously, you know, the proof's in the pudding, but they've also got a really good dynamic and they mm. can bounce off each other. And I think that's what you're, ultimately what you're after from your, from your commentary team. You should, it's almost like the referee, if you do a decent job, no one ever compliments you on doing a decent job is it if you do a bad job then that's when they're gonna that's when they're gonna because come after who's, you. The, who's the the woman who does a good job i think they're they're on what is it is it the american channel it's um thierry jamie micah richards and i can't remember Kate, Neville, Kate, Kate, no it's no, Kate, no, no. Kate abdo oh sorry yeah so she she's i think more in that role of like presenter oh she's policing it like yeah. she's she, yeah. she, she's, yeah, she, she's she, still she? she's still very knowledgeable of the game and I, I don't know if she's played or not, but she's definitely not played the men's game, right? And that's the thing. Like she, whenever you know she's commenting, it seems to be fairly sound commentary uh, and whatnot. But like you say, she's got a bit of charisma. I think she's more there as the the presenter, and then you've got the ex players to to sort of do more of the analysis. And I have no problem with that. I think it, it works perfectly fine. There's a lot of people that seem to enjoy it as well, but um, and yeah, look. I don't know. It's, it seems to it seems to me if if you know enough, it doesn't really matter if you're player, ex-player, woman, man, goat. Don't really, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, uh, also obviously we've as always we've sort of gone off on a tangent, but back to Mr. Barton. You wouldn't be the biggest fan, John, from his time up at Rangers, would you? Yeah, I mean, he, he came up to Scotland, sort of shooting his mouth off in advance. Oh, I actually remember this because he, he went after... The league up he, actually, thing, yeah. he actually went after Scott Brown one day right. as well. Right. Well, he went after him, but nothing yeah, happened. Different Scott Brown. There's a brilliant... Got, yeah, obviously, not <laughs> he, me. He got, he, got, he got his come up and Yeah, yeah, big time. big time. And there's a bit where... Isn't that where he, like... He's giving it stacks and stuff, and then I think Scott Brown scores, and he just, just stands there and just... And then the interview afterwards, he was like, uh, your man says something like, oh, with Joe Barton playing today. He was like, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he, he he went back to England very quickly with his tail between his legs. I think he, he was made to look kind of stupid up in Scotland, to be honest. I think he, you know, it showed his personality that he would be very judgmental about something before he'd actually come up and tried the league and he found it wasn't nearly as easy as he, as he thought it was going Isn't to be. Isn't that funny, though? Because that doesn't just happen at the top of the pro game, but John and Anton, we've both been at enough clubs and stuff to see that normally if a new face comes in and they're loud and look at me sort of thing, it never, it never works out. It's just like, you know, the good players just turn up, shut up, work hard. And 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 do your thing, sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, you know, I, I saw recently on Instagram. So obviously, you know, uh, Mister Dupont, Antoine Dupont, has gone over to join the French sevens team. Yep. And you're looking at the best player in in rugby union, mm -hmm. I'd argue, at the minute. Mm -hmm. And he's gone over there, and the first thing they do is just straight into hazing him as if he's a fresher, like fresh faced, first train, and rightly so, in my opinion. Your first day in sevens, you're going to get treated like the newbie. You're going to have to get take all the stick, collect all the bibs in, you know, all that stuff. I love that. I thought but it was I think so he, brilliant. He's, he's the sort of player that would, and they, you know, he, take he, it in his stride and get like, on with he it. He just They'd probably on. expect nothing else, to be exactly. honest. Exactly, he cracks on. Yeah. He knows, that's the thing. He's been in rugby long enough. He knows the drill. <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. He was back playing 15s last night, though. He was back yeah. playing for Stade yeah. Toulouse last night. 
So what's he doing at the moment? Is he just training a couple of times a week with the sevens and then yeah. going to go more full hog towards the, the Olympics? Yeah, so I understand he's playing. I don't know if he's, how many more games he's playing, but he's only started to lose on for a short while now and then he's due to go full time with the sevens, yeah. Mm. So he's obviously started on a sort of training. There's a couple basis. of them. There's about three or four of them who have gone over as well, isn't it? Yeah, but I could only see Dupont in the in the squad, Pino, in the training Pino's they just had. As well. um, there, yeah, there was meant to be um, a, a two or three of them. Uh, initially, but I only saw Dupont in the actual training squad list recently. There's there's a question for you. Would you see in you know in ten, fifteen years time, would you see the game of rugby favouring that sevens route even more as opposed to the fifteens route? Because I'm just talking about people can't sit still, they can't sit and go and watch a game of football, they can't sit and go and watch a rug- game of rugby every- anymore, but you can go down, you can sit there and watch it for 15 minutes. Why? Because the next teams are coming on to play five minutes after and it's just like bang, bang, bang. It just suits the the audience, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I really do. I mean, you look at the situation, you, you talked about cricket earlier. Mm. Test cricket's effectively gone. It's dead, it's gone, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and the more bite-sized versions are, are, are thriving. And then with the with the Rugby Sevens, you only need to look at the way World Rugby puts out their social media content now. It's it's at least half and half now. You yeah. know, it, it's almost like there's two there's two products even, and they, even when the they treat them equally. Yeah, they treat them equally. And it, it, it just lends itself to that kind of content as well because there's obviously long-range tries, there's individual mm. plays, there's bite-sized little incidents and I think that un- unfortunately because I really do think you know rugby is about 15 side rugby predominantly but yeah. but I, I really do think that a combination of that and the, the limited attention span of people and also the Olympics you know the, the way that the Olympics is the kind of pinnacle I, I, I do think it's going down that way I would I would say it would take a while though because I think the there's a lot of rugby fans that, um, that are old and obviously they're, they're, they're fans of the 15s game uh, even if it is more boring, they, they enjoy it. Well, but lads, we'll there's plenty of topics. We could do another whole podcast. I'm sure we're going to chat about it afterwards. It's been an absolute pleasure. As always, you can check out the rest of the team. Sam Steen tomorrow from 6am. Stephen Steps Low at 12. Melissa Dalton with the home stretch from 3. You've got Sarah Tapman, the Hangover Show, on Sunday mornings. You've got David Burrows and the DB3 sessions. Link up with us on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, whatever other social media platform we're on. Until then, gents, it's Cher. 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 Final order again. Andy A. should walk that was absolute diabolical he's gonna be yellow card a car space let's talk sport on rtl today radio